This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations recorded live by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university in San Francisco. To find out more about CIIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. Welcome, everybody. Um, this conversation or this talk is about ethics in shamanism. But let me start um, to reflect a little bit on why giving a talk like this. Um, as we all know, the Me Too movement has created an amazing uh, discovery, if you want to call it that way, of injustice of student uh, workers in, in different places and a lot of harassment, a lot of sexual assaults and so on. So uh, unfortunately, the, the, the idea, of, well, the patriarchy is so ingrained in our lives that it's very easy, even for spiritual people, to use their power to control others or to abuse others. Unfortunately, I have run into these situations uh, uh, several times, and it's something that has shaken my, my belief that spirituality is enough to be an ethical person. I think we need more than that. So I'm going to uh, give you a sense of what I've seen before. I'll, I'm going to give you some examples, and I'm going to... Um, suggest some ways of protecting ourselves, because this is dangerous territory for everybody, especially when people need support and they look at someone uh, who seems to be able to help, and then they find themselves in serious problems. I will tell you a couple of uh, stories about that. But let me just go first with a question that uh, I ask myself. What qualifies me to do this talk, right? Am I so ethical? Am I beyond uh, 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 being, having problems? The answer is no. And that's precisely why, for me, it's necessary to really understand and deepen my understanding of how uh, we can use and abuse people who, who uh, get close to us. Um, let, me, let me start by um, framing a little bit what shamanism is. So, so I'm, I'm, according to my understanding, okay, so it's, I'm going to leave a lot behind that, that uh, because it's very complex. To me, shamanism is... Um, accessing two, uh, two, uh, two parts. One is uh, power, and the other one is wisdom. Power means that uh, we, as someone who studies shamanism, or is a shaman, has access to different realities, has the ability to access places, ideas, thoughts, feelings, and uh, even beings who are beyond the, 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 our common way of seeing reality. Um, so power, when, uh, when we talk about power then, um, we need to recognize that power also includes knowing more than we know uh, logically. What this means is that... Uh, very um, developed shamans have incredible abilities to, um, to see beyond what's logical. Let me give you an example, and I'll tie it why I'm talking about uh, ethics in shamanism. I uh, had a teacher, a Native American, who I found just 
because I actually I needed healing myself. Um, and um, when I when I met him, just his energy was so wonderful and so caring that I immediately started to take workshops with him. Um, one day uh, uh, we were um, we were in a workshop uh, with with, uh, with uh, his name is Lauren Smith. Uh, from the Pomo tribe up uh, up uh, a couple of hours away from here. So he said, you know, uh, now I explained what you're going to do. I explained to you how your use power. So now you are going to pair up and work with, with people, uh, with someone else. So he says, you and you are going to work together and so on. So he says, uh, and you, Antonio, are going to work with this person, person I've, I hadn't never seen before. I stand up, we, st we stood facing each other, and I thought, wow, this person is very attractive. Lauren came around, touched my shoulder, and he says, don't think that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so that was a very powerful lesson if you think about it. Because if he can read my mind at, in that space, he can read my mind all the time. Right, and I was his student, so I wanted, I didn't want to disappoint someone who I regarded in really high esteem, right? So I, I started to try to live a very straight life as much as possible, right? Um, also, I um, I t I took several workshops with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies with Michael Harner that you probably have heard of, and Michael also insisted that um, when people learn something about shamanism, it should not be used to exploit anybody else. It, it needs to be of service. Um, so now, let's talk about who is a shaman, right? Because people, people ask me, are you a shaman? And my answer is, no, I'm not a shaman. I'm a student of shamanism. Let me, let me tell you a story about how a shaman uh, really learns to, to, to become a shaman. I met uh, someone in Mexico from the Huichol uh, tradition, and uh, I visited him a couple of times, and I was reading a book eventually about the tribe, and uh, the author said, and Jose Benitez, is one of the main holders of the Wichol tradition. He's really knowledgeable about the tradition. So next time I went to see him, I said, would you talk to me about the, the cosmology of Wichol, uh, of the Wichol people? And he said, sure, come into my, into my workshop and I'm gonna be working and I'll explain stuff to you. To you. So we went, to, we went into his workshop. He, he had a son at the time who was about six years old. And he, the, the child just walked walked in with us into the into the the shop to to watch. He sat there in the in the corner, just uh, hearing, uh, listening, but to what the conversation was about. Actually, it was a big lecture of about three hours. Six years old, right? The child did not move. He stayed there for the whole explanation, right? He is going to be a shaman. Because he's, he's born in the tradition, right? He's born into the, the spirit of the tribe. I was born in Mexico City. I went to the National University of, uh, of Mexico. I, I, I was very scientific, right? I moved away from anything spiritual, right? So the last thing I wanted to do was to, to, to get involved with, with spirituality. It was interesting to me, right? But uh, I read Castaneda. I, I read some books about uh, a, a person who was very strange, a guy called Lobsang Rampa, who was supposed to be a, 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 someone who, who a lama died in Tibet, and they, they, they used the body of this British guy. And so he was Lobsang Rampa, and he was writing stuff. I read it many years later again, and it's like, he didn't know anything about Tibetan Buddhism, but that's a whole different thing, right? <laughs> um, so, so you see, 
even though I grew up in Mexico, even though my mother used to go to healers, I never did. It, it was not my interest. Now, how did I land this in this path, right? Well, uh, I started to have experiences that were beyond uh, my understanding. And as much as I did to try to understand, the more I tried to understand, the more confusing it got, right? Um, let me tell you the first story. Um, I was working in a psychiatric halfway house in Salinas, uh, California, and um, um, I was staying overnight. I was working overnight that day. So I, at, at, in the evening, around 10, 10.30, I made sure that all the residents were there and they were okay. Um, so I went to sleep, right? Um, and I had a dream that my father was going into the hospital. And in my dream, I asked the doctor, what's going on? And the doctor said, I don't have time to explain. explain. If I don't do something, he'll die. Okay, do, go do something. So I wake up immediately after the dream, a dream like I've never had before, right? Um, so I wake up immediately after the dream, turn around to look at the clock. It's five o'clock in the morning sharp. It's like, okay, that's interesting. So I finished working, I, I went home, and uh, I thought, okay, this is a very strange dream, so let me call home. So I called home, uh, and no answer, right, uh, at, at home. So I called about three, uh, for three days, and uh, finally I got my mom, and uh, I said, Mom, where have you been? Uh, uh, she says, well, oh, my son. And I said, oh, I know what happened. My father had uh, surgery, on such a date at this time. And she says, how do you know? Well, I don't know how I know. I, I had a dream, right? So I started to have experiences like that. So I wanted to frame those experiences because they were scary. They were scaring me. It's like I thought, okay, I need to find something to, um, to ground me on this stuff. Um, but I still consider myself a student of shamanism because I, I was not born in, in the tradition, right? Um, so, shamanism is about power, but it's also about wisdom. One of the hardest things, though, that I've learned is that wisdom does not necessarily uh, lead to ethical behavior. Someone could, could be very wise to manipulate other people, right? So wisdom and ethics also need to be uh, hand in hand to make sure that the wisdom is used in the service of, of people and not in the, in, in the service of the person who uh, is wise or who, who is a shaman or whatever it is. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about where we are in terms of spirituality. Um, it, one student some years ago asked me a very important question, right? She said, Antonio, where do I find a, a spiritual teacher? And I said, well, it's a very difficult question because if you really want to find your teacher, I mean embodied teacher, it's going to be very difficult. It's not going to be easy. And it's going to have to align with what the teacher has to teach us, right? So, so it's, it's like we can go around, especially with shamanism, that, that has been, in a way, I, I, I'm going to say a strong word, has been corrupted, right? Um, that anybody can call themselves a shaman and a teacher. And I think that's very dangerous because, they, yes, they may have power, but they don't have wisdom, and many times they don't have an ethical uh, position that is very clear. So we had a lot of conversations about this, and uh, really what I came up with to the conclusion is that, first of all, be careful with who you choose as your teacher. Because anybody who's in a position of teaching, we have tremendous uh, privilege over the student who gets close to us. So we need to be very careful 
to make sure that we are uh, working for the benefit of the student and not for our benefit again. I'm, I'm going to go back to this over and over. Um, so what I rec realized eventually is that we are in a in a in a phase where um, we do not even understand what spirituality is. There, of course, there are philosophies, there are there are positions, there are exercises, meditation, and all kinds of things. But it's very confusing to define spirituality. And the problem is that I believe that we all have a drive, a natural drive, to transcend. And when we don't land into our spirituality, we get lost. And when we get lost, we grab to anything that shines, let me put it that way. And that's really problematic, right? One very painful example of this is um, John of God, if you have heard of him. Um, John of God was always a, a spiritist a person who was doing psychic surgeries in Brazil and for years, and, and people have gone over to see him um, by the thousands, actually. Well, it was uh, recently, it was found out that he was sexually abusing uh, many of the patients who were going there, and that included his uh, his uh, his daughter. So so how can that happen, right? Well, need to be careful. Not everybody who has power and wisdom is legitimate in terms of being a spiritual being. Um, now, what is wisdom, right? We need to we need to also clarify that. Let me suggest that it's not that hard. Wisdom is being able to understand beyond the logic that we use in everyday life. Uh, being, seeing beyond uh, what's happening, sensing what's happening with someone, sensing what's happening in the environment, right? And sometimes happens, it happens uh, voluntarily and so, sometimes it happens just by, by chance. Um, for example, uh, do you, you'll probably remember that there was a very serious earthquake in Mexico City in 1986, I think. Um, and I had a dream about the scenes that eventually were shown on television. I had the dream about two months before that happened. You probably have, have had similar experiences. Well, that's part of wisdom, but that's not full wisdom, right? Because it's just information that is getting to me. How I use that information is what's important here to, to make sure that I, I, I take an ethical position. So we are looking, there are so many people looking for, for spirituality or someone who seems spiritual, right? I joke, uh, well, you'll see me later on joking a little bit more, uh, but uh, I joke that I'm going to cut my hair and see if I get the same response from people. It's like, you have something. Yes, I have long hair. <laughs> I wonder if people go with that, right? Um, so, um, so and, and that's because people want to find someone who has answers. And that's very difficult to find. Uh, again, we need to be very careful about who we get close to especially trusting that person when we don't know them, right? Um, now, the, the other problem that we have is that uh, organized religion falls very short from answering spiritual questions, right? It, it's like... Um, uh, I did look uh, as a child to the to the to the Catholic Church, and I was completely disappointed because I saw the 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 priest behaviors, um, uh, how they were arrogant and uh, so on. Right, so it's like I got away from spirituality, but then there was there was still some need for someone to kind of explain to me what is it that's beyond the skin, as, as Stan Groff would say, right? So that, that sets a real problem for people. Because when someone 
uh, hears about this incredible healer and they immediately put faith because their friend told, told them that this is a wonderful healer and they, they stop being uh, thinking in terms of really researching and finding out who is this person and why are they famous and what are they doing and how much money they are making and so on, a whole bunch of questions that need to be asked, I believe. Um, so, so the combination of someone who has some power and someone who needs someone can be a real problem here. Now, let me go back for a moment and, and talk about what happens in native communities, right? In native communities, it, 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 the whole situation is very different. Let me give you an example. Um, I was um, in the Peruvian Amazon some, some years ago, and I went to a village of 800 people, right? And so the houses were very close together. And in the middle, there were two rows of houses. In the middle, they had a lot of space for the children to play. Everybody took care of the children. It was wonderful, right? So the healer there was, was an, under constant watch from the community, right? If, the, if he did something or they did something wrong, the community would know immediately. So that would stop for, uh, for, uh, right there, because the community would say, thank you very much, I'm not going to go to you, we're going to look for someone else who's the real thing. Am I making sense here? Now, the problem is that we have lost that sense of community. If you ask someone, your friends or whoever it is, where do I find spiritual teacher, they're going to tell you, oh, this teacher works for me. It doesn't mean that it's going to work for you or for somebody else. Right, or it's, or it doesn't mean that that they understand, or that your friend understand the full extent of who this person is. Um, so we don't have one of the main um, containers, I would say, of shamans doing work, which is community. When 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 we don't have that community, we can do whatever we want, and that's extremely dangerous because people can go somewhere and do something. And we will never hear about it until there is a, a real pro serious problem. Um, now, so, so, so where are the embodied spiritual teachers? They do not advertise. They do not charge. They don't go around saying, hey, I'm the real thing. right? They are there. And you may have seen many of them. We may have seen many of them, but we never picked up that that was the person, you know. Um, so, so the, the the fact that they don't want to to share who they are means that they are being ethical to begin with. If you if you need something and you are guided to me, then you are going to figure out that you can work with me. So, so you discover who I, who the shaman really is. Um, so it's difficult to 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 find a spiritual teacher. I am I am very very uh, blessed, I would say, to have found Lauren Smith, who taught me a lot. He opened up a lot of doors for me, um, and he was very caring. And at the same time, he was holding some boundaries, right? Um, one day I told him, for example, Lauren, how do you heal schizophrenia? And he says, oh, that's a very intense experience. And you, you therapists don't go far enough when you deal with these issues. The way I deal with this is I go into people's hallucinations. So I heal them from there. And I said, Lauren, would you teach me that? And he said, you are not ready. <laughs> which is true, right? So his his voice always comes back to me when I whenever I think I'm doing something wrong. It's like, okay, what does Lauren say, right? It's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna behave. Now, um, the other part that is very important to recognize, and it's a very serious problem, is cultural appropriation. It's so common 
for someone to go to a ritual, let's say with the Wicholis or with the Mesotex or to the Peruvian Amazon or to the Brazil, whatever it is, come back feeling like, oh, I did a week of ayahuasca, now I'm ready to teach. No, you are not a shaman, right? You just had some experiences and now you are stealing something from someone, right? You, the, nobody told you there that you could be a teacher. You did not spend six months in the jungle like they suggested for me when I was there. Uh, they, they said, yeah, I can teach you. you I'm, we're going to put you in the jungle for six months. And I thought, oh, man, <laughs> with these hands. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a musician, right? <laughs> it's like I cannot survive in the Peruvian Amazon, right? So uh, no, thank you. Um, so the problem is that we take... Um, the dress and the ideas from these people and it's not fair right because what happens is that again what is at play there is not being of service but it's being in service of our own egos that's a classic problem that we all have right so i can do this wow maybe i go farther right it's like no no we need to be patient we need to really learn and be be uh, really honest with ourselves. Yes, I understood something, but that doesn't mean that I can pass it on. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm able to, to, to maneuver whatever is necessary with, with what I learned. So cultural appropriation is one of the biggest problems I have. There are many, many people, for example, who call themselves Aztecs and, uh, and, and Toltecs and all this stuff. Um, I question that. I think that's cultural appropriation itself. I myself, as I said, I grew up in Mexico City. I never had contact with people from those cultures, you know. Yes, I, I, I saw them because they were selling uh, stuff in the street and they spoke Nahuatl, right? But that doesn't mean that I belong to that culture. My, my culture is very, very modern, contemporary, very scientific with cars and all the stuff that it, all this implies, right? Um, so you need to be very careful uh, with cultural appropriation. I have run into people who, who say, well, I, I studied with such and such shaman from such and such tribe, and, and they told me that now I was going to represent the tribe. Hmm, I wouldn't dare to say that. I, I wouldn't even accept it. You know, someone from the tribe needs to hold the tradition. I'm not, nobody to, to really, I cannot understand the depth of that. So, so we need to be very careful with people who start to dress differently, start to talk differently, and all of a sudden they come back from two years of being in Mexico, and now they're speaking Spanish, and then now they are, they are the big uh, representatives of such a tribe. It's not a good thing, right? Um, also, let me um, uh, tell you a, a, a story. Because one of the problems with cultural appropriation is that it goes in two directions, right? It goes to, towards the people who, uh, the, we people who visit the tribes, and it also affects the tribes. Because people who, many times, people who make very little money in, in, the, in the mountains of Mexico, and, and then I go there and I give them 500 pesos. That's a lot of money for, for, for them. So what's going to happen is they're going to use that to kind of uh, 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 try to make money out of that. So the, the community starts to lose someone who's extremely valuable. Let me give you an example. I went to uh, visit a group, uh, a group, a native group in Mexico. And I met a person who, who um, someone from the, from the town contacted them. And they said, you know, this is a good person to work with. So I said, okay, sure. I'm always in search of, of teachers, right? Um, and um, so he said, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I made a, uh, 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 I, I clarified with them how much they were going to charge. And, and, and the, the price is 100 pesos per person. So we were 10 people. It's like, okay, 1,000 pesos. It's not, it's not that bad. So the, 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 the person uh, there left. 
And this, uh, the, this other person stayed with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And started to, to get pictures. And like, look, I've been with this politician and with this artist and so on. I'm very popular and whatever it is. I said, okay, so let's let's start the, the ceremony. Okay, so let's start the ceremony. But hold on a second. I'm going to charge you a thousand pesos each, which is a lot of money for my Mexican friends, right? So $50 is a lot of a lot of money. So we said, you know, thank you very much, but we are not going to do this. And it's understandable because that person wants to make money for their family and partly for the community. But now the influence that we've had on these people is problematic because they are they see what I call spiritual tourism as a, as a way to make money. So it's, it's, they start to, to go in the wrong direction. Let me put it that way. So cultural appropriation is something that we need to really keep in mind very, very, uh, to make sure that we we understand what's what's happening. Um, now, let me let me go uh, and 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 talk about what causes the problem of lack of ethics. Well, as usual, um, it is ego. You know, when you when you when you have access to power and wisdom, it is so uh, it causes such an awe uh, uh, response that how does this happen, right? It's really incredible stuff. So uh, and now I'm able to replicate it a little bit. It may not be as I learned it, but I can replicate it. The ego grows tremendously, right? And um, and that is that becomes extremely extremely dangerous. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, last summer I was in Mexico, and uh, and in my town there 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 is a, an international film film festival. So I went to see a film about one of the tribes, the Huicholes in in Mexico. And it was about um, someone from the tribe who um, started to believe that he was God. He was a God in the tribe. And so what he did was he became the leader of the tribe. And people said, okay, sure, sure you, you are a powerful shaman, so it's, it's okay. Um, but then he started to really believe that he was a God. So he started to decide which people needed to die immediately. So he started to kill people. And then he had a, a group of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, people who were very close to him. It became a cult, basically. He was trying to be, create a cult. So, um, so at some point, um, they were surrounded, and one person uh, from the tribe uh, decided that he was going to escape because they they had killed a couple of his relatives and he thought okay if I don't get out of here to go and do something to bring the police this is going to continue and they're going to kill us all and they're going to kill my children actually so he escaped he went to the to to the town and then he uh, he brought the police and they they got this guy not before the guy killed another couple of people um, what was interesting is that I, I was talking to the guy who escaped because the film was about him. So, so I, I, I did an interview with him also um, because I wanted, to, I wanted to know how do you heal of someone, something like that, right? And he said, he's, he's a wonderful person. At some point, I hope to bring the film over here um, when, when it's released. Um, he, he uh, so so I said so how, how how did you deal with this how did you heal the trauma, and he just smiled coyly, and he said well we we did a ritual, can you tell me more said, no we did a ritual, <laughs> so so he's he's rightfully guarding what what happened in there right. Um, and and he he's a wonderful human being because I said I asked him are you a shaman and he said no I'm not a shaman. I, I still need to go on two more pilgrimages. And I'm getting old, but it's okay, because I prefer to be old and wise and not to be foolish and have the power. 
Um, so it was a great learning. It was a wonderful experience to, to be with him. Um, so you see, the ego gets on, on the way, and it really creates a, a, a big problem for anybody, right? Um, part of having power, as I mentioned before, is being able to see into people's minds, into people's emotions, into people's bodies. <clears throat> um, one time, I, I was uh, working with someone, uh, so, some physical stuff, and I was really concentrating and started to see how the molecules were moving in the stomach of the person. It was fascinating. So I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So it's like, it was such an intense experience to see actually how the organism was, was working, right? Um, but then of course my spiritual teachers keep me in check, right? So next time I, was, I went to see, nothing happened. So some uh, uh, spiritual teachers also set a limit that, that we can push, of course, but uh, they also set a limit. Um, so ego is one of the problems that we have. Money is another one, especially when we go to places where people are very poor, I, I've interviewed a, a lady who's in the Masetic, uh hills, uh, mountains. She's an amazing human being. She's 92. She must be 94, 95 by now. And uh, she doesn't ask for anything. She, we got there. Okay, can you tell us uh, something about your life? Sure. She started, how do you heal? Oh, I'll show you. So she got her stuff and was kind of going through the motions, doing some prayers and stuff, doing some healing on us. And so she finished and said, okay, so now you can go. I'm tired, I want to sleep. <laughs> so okay, okay, it's time to go. Uh, and uh, so I asked her, do you need something? And she says, oh, okay, sure. If you want me, give me 20 pesos, a dollar. I said, no, okay, um, we're going to give you something, right? But those are real shamans, right? Interestingly enough, notice that this woman, this was a shaman woman, female. It's interesting that I, most of the times the abuses I have seen are from males, right? So it's, a, it's an interesting paradigm to be, to be aware of. Again, the Me Too movement has been a great service for all of us to check ourselves and make sure that we are on the right track. Um, power over other people. It's amazing how tempting it is when someone comes and asks for something, and then, the uh, well, I can speak up from myself, I see what's going on with them. It's very tempting to feel like, oh, I'm extremely powerful and I can really help this person, right? The moment I fall into that, then um, I'm using the power to, uh, uh, um, to make myself feel bigger than I really am. So humbleness is a wonderful word and a very difficult word to practice. So um, it's, uh, we need to, um, to be aware of that. Prestige, you know, it's very interesting how people want to be recognized. I uh, did a, a presentation to uh, UCSF some years ago, and uh, so I, usually when I when I do talks, I I do demonstrations. So I was doing a demonstration, and as I was working with with some uh, few people on, on stage, a huge eagle came flying into the room. It was an amazing sight, right? Huge eagle. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, that's not my power animal. So, but thank you for being here, right? <laughs> and uh, so we, I finished, and this person came to me, and he said, nice job. And I, I replied, like, that was your eagle, right? And he said, yeah, amazing. Thank you for helping me. You did a lot of work. 
Thank you for for doing that. But no need to no need to fight for prestige, right? Someone uh, the, uh, because there were several workshops. Someone heard, overheard this, and this, she was one of the organizers. Came to me and told me he was mad because you had 40 people and he had only 10. Okay, well, it's a question of prestige, supposedly, right? It's like, come to me, I'm the real thing. Um, all right, so I did that. So forms or, or ways of, um, of taking advantage of um, using the power to control other people. Now, this is very intense because now we are talking about putting a curse on someone. And it's very, very scary stuff because then the idea is not to heal, but to make the person dependent on the, on the person who's supposed to be healing. It's very dangerous stuff. I'll be honest with you, I, when I was in Mexico and I was at the university and my mom would talk about this stuff, it's like, mother, please, this is impossible, right? Until I started to see it. And one way I saw it, actually, and this is a word of caution um, for all of us, the way I saw it was precisely with Lauren. He, he went, uh, because he would travel a lot, so he went to New Mexico, <clears throat> and he came back before he was supposed to come back. So uh, someone called me and said, you know, from, from the group that we were very close to him, said, you know, Lauren is back, but he needs help. So, okay, so when, we, when do we meet? Okay, let's meet on Sunday. So, so I got over there, and I swear to you, uh, his eyes were schizophrenia. It was so far out. Um, so he started to explain what happened. He said, you know, um, I made a mistake. Um, what I did, I, uh, this person came in to, 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 for a healing, and I did not prepare myself well because I was tired already. So I touched the person, and boom, this energy just broke my brain in two. So I immediately knew that I was in trouble. I needed to come back. So as soon as I could, I came back. And now here I am, and I need your help. He said. So it was a group of about eight people. So we did some healing work. Uh, and it was very interesting because <laughs> he, said, he said to me, I'm going to demonstrate what this does to you, right? Because you don't want to deal with this stuff and be careful with it. Antonio, stand up. So I said, okay, I stand up. He says, I'm going to remove part of your energy right here by the heart. So he went like, and I swear to you, it felt like I was a ghost at the moment. So right here, there is nothing. There's no energy. So this is how you kill people. And I was thinking, Lauren, please bring it back. <laughs> finish up, finish up. <laughs> right, because it was very, very intense. Uh, so controlling people's minds, I'm going to give you an example in a moment. Uh, it's a very powerful uh, thing that people can, can do to, um, to, to hurt them. Another one, stealing people's power. Now, the reality, even people who are not shamans, we steal uh, our energies, right? With relationships, with expectations, right? With trying to get something from someone, that in itself is a way of stealing some energy, right? The, the most, uh, the most uh, uh, problematic that I've seen is when I was also in the Peruvian Amazon, um, I was talking to two people. One, obviously, was a shaman, and the other person was just listening. So the shaman said, you know, I, need, I have to go. I have something to do. So he leaves, and this other person stays there. So I, I looked at them, and, and they looked extremely sad. So I said that, and I said, you know, you look very sad. And he, and he said, yes, I am. I said, what happened? And he said, well... I made a I made a I made a mistake. 
I'm from the from the jungle and I went to the mountains and I did not ask permission to from the mountains to be there. And what happened is I, I found another shaman and then I was not prepared and he stole all my power. So I need to start all over again. So the, so this shaman that you met is my teacher now. I was a shaman just like him. So it's like, uh, but it's okay, I'm going to do it. So when, when you talk about stealing energy, you know how sometimes you are with someone who you feel drained after being with them. That's mild compared to what people can do, right? If someone can, wants to steal your power, literally, you, they can steal part of your, your life force. That's very dangerous stuff. And by the way, actually, I believe that people can kill somebody by doing that, right? Um, of course, uh, the, the issue of sexuality, right? It's like people take, take advantage of people sexually it's like oh yes you're gonna be you're gonna be my student now you young woman and and uh, you you need to be close to me so come over as as as, as much as possible and you know the whole story right um and of course financial right it's another way that people get exploited um so um oh in admiration from others right having someone to admire, admire us is, is a very powerful experience, right? It's like, oh, you're such a cool person. It's like, well, watch the ego again, right? Um, so, um, so let me now give you a couple of examples, uh, more, more specific, about what I found in, uh, in, in the process of, uh, uh, well, some problems that I found. At some point, uh, I was in the Peruvian Amazon with this uh, with this teacher, excellent, excellent shaman, um, who I thought, okay, this is good. I have the connection. I'm gonna come back uh, with him. So I went. To the uh, I was there one one year. I went back the next year, and I thought, okay, this is this is going very well. So I'm, I maybe I'll start to invite some friends to come over and work with him. And that second trip, uh, I, I went with, with a friend um, who wanted to, to try also medic, medicine. And um, we, we arrived there to the town, and there was a very young um, uh, Swedish uh, woman, um, the classic Swedish, beautiful woman, right? Um, so uh, she said, can I do... Can I do a ceremony with you too? I said, sure, sure, no problem. Um, so um, uh, nightfall came. She was living in, in, in that town. And last minute, she said, no, no I'm not going to do it today. So she did it like, like that for four nights. And the, the fifth night, night uh, she said, you know, I, I'm going to do it today. So, okay. That day, there was a big celebration in town. And so it was very noisy. So the chairman said, you know, we cannot do ceremonies here. So we can go to my house and do it there. So, okay, sure, that, that'll be cool. So we went uh, out, out of town to his house. And um, we, we, um, he prepared the, the ayahuasca. And um, um, uh, last minute, she had the, the glass in her hand. And she, she just put it down. She said, no, no, I, I don't think it's right to take it. All right. So, okay, good. No problem. So we took it, my friend and I, and he, and so we started the ceremony. And uh, so I was, I was following his, his singing, his Icaros, as they were called. Um, and I noticed that the energy was kind of off. So I turned into him. And I, I recognized that he was uh, singing to control her mind. So immediately I asked my spiritual teachers, what do I do? And they said, protect yourself. So don't think about this anymore. Just let it go. And that's your protection. So I, I focused on the singing or whatever it is. Um, so we finished the ceremony. Um, and the young uh, woman said, okay, I'm going to sleep over there in a, kind of in a 
little bedroom. It's, it's just part of the house. It's not. It's hardly divided uh, because there is a there is a mosquito net there. Okay, so she went over there and he went to the to the other one and to the other side. But then eventually I heard that they were talking. So I thought, okay, here comes the problem, right? Knowing that he what he was doing, and um, sure enough, after a while, she got up and came over and said, "Can I sleep with you?" I was over here. Sure, we we, we had a, a a a sheet just on the floor, so she lay down there. And then in the morning, she said, "You will not believe what happens." And yeah, I'll believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I saw it. Um, um, the the problem was that uh, they were talking at first, but then he tried to touch her, and she said, "No, don't touch me." He insisted, and then she said, "If you continue, I'm gonna scream." And and then at that point, she tried to get up, and he grabbed her. And at that point, she said, "Let go, or I'll scream." And then he let go. So then she came over, right? That's a very scary uh, uh, experience, right? You're in, the, in, in, in a place that you're not familiar with and so on. Um, so we left, and, and I had talked to him about uh, bringing people there to him, and of course I was not going to do it after that. Uh, so he, uh, he, uh, he came to the airport to see uh, my friend and I take off, and so so when are we gonna see you? So, and so I checked in with my teachers. Where are you? Um, and they said just tell him that you'll be in contact. So I told him that, and I never went back. Right. So that's one uh, possibility. Can you imagine if she had taken ayahuasca? It would have been extremely dangerous, right? I don't know what would have happened because we were there anyway. So it's it's a very complicated thing. Um, another experience I had was here up, up north. I was invited to to a sweat lodge, and um, I was I was very sick that day. I had a very really bad cold, but I thought, okay, doing a sweat lodge is gonna it's gonna help me a lot. So I went in there. But the moment I got there, it, it, it same thing. Immediately, I felt the the energy of the of the shaman, two shamans, very young shamans. Who were uh, doing the the, the uh, leading the ceremony, and um, it, they started to sing and to to do, and it was it was so clear to me that they were trying to seduce the women who were there. You know, it's like it just was. Oh, look at me! I'm the big shaman here, and I'm gonna teach you all kinds of things. Um, so that was another place that was completely uncomfortable because I needed some healing. And I was there thinking I need to protect myself and the friend who I wa- uh, who came with me and some of the people, so a few people that I knew there. It's like, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really a problem, right? You are showing off and it's not necessary. Um, now, the other, it's a very interesting case, and uh, this was a time um, I had worked already with uh, 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 removing curses from people. Luckily for me, I have never found a, a, someone who has been uh, cursed by, by somebody else who really knows how to do it. So I'm very careful when some when 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 someone tells me you know someone did I, all of a sudden I got sick for no reason apparently it's like okay I need to be very careful with this right so I check and make sure that I can handle the situation because if 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 the, if that happened to Lauren I could die if I'm not very extremely careful right so this this lady called me up and said, so, uh, someone told me that that uh, you helped my friend uh, with dealing with some things. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so how, how can I help you? Well, I need to see you very, very soon. So what's happening? It's like, I don't know what's happening, but something bad is happening to me. Okay, so so let's meet. So I, I, we met the next day or something like that. And she says, 
Uh, this is what's happening. She shows me a check. This is all my inheritance, all the money I have. And should I give it to the to a person that I've been working with? So I thought, okay, let me check in, right? So I checked, and sure enough, what this person was doing was um, they had inserted something like like little arrows in the back of the person. So I saw the arrows, and I um, I checked with my teachers and said, how, how do I remove this? And they told me, just just grab them, but fill your your hand with energy. So you so you're gonna touch them, but they are not gonna touch your energy. So very carefully, I took it up. I took the second one, um, and immediately she tore the check. So how are you doing? It's like now I feel clear. This was very dumb. It, it was I don't know how this happened. So we talked about that. And yes, of course, she was very trusting with someone who seemed to be helping and kind of giving her some direction. But uh, she, uh, she, she, the, the, the person who was, was doing the supposedly the healing was really getting deep into her psyche, if you want. It's, 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 it's worse than that. But it was uh, this person was able to control her to very very amazing degree, right? Um, so um, so yeah, that th- that's another situation where um, where uh, I found something very problematic. The last example I'm going to give you is um, a friend uh, asked me to go with with him to see a healer, just to be there. To a company, uh, and because I'm interested in seeing how other people heal, you know, like so. Sure, you invite me, I go. So I, I, I was there, and um, and the the healer was doing some work, um, and at some point, uh, the healer said, "Now everybody come comes around and let's stand around this person." The person was on a on a massage table, um, and. So I was I was watching what they were doing, and all of a sudden, the healer looked into my eyes, and it was a really a demonic look. The eyes were red, kind of like like the, we paint the devil. <laughs> I don't believe in the devil, but <laughs> that's the, the image that came came up for me. So I just looked at them. And and I said I thought I, I I I thought in my in my mind I love you too, and then everything dissipated, because what they wanted was for my friend to go to their place down south by Los Angeles, and to obviously to take money from my friend, um, so so they knew that I knew so they wanted to neutralize me and neutralize the, the influence. I have on my friend. So you see, um, again, we see we see sexual harassment, sexual abuse in the streets, everywhere. It's so pervasive. We are in a patriarchal society, and that includes, unfortunately, spiritual movements like, like the Catholic Church is dealing with this issue now. Um, so we need to be very careful, especially we need to be careful with ourselves. When we learn something, we need to be clear that learning is to share something, is to benefit someone, to, to be of service. If we take it as I learned something and I know more than you, then we are going on the wrong path. Uh, I've been very lucky to have... Um, in terms of my patriarchal beliefs, many women who have confronted me and have pointed pointed on my sexist attitudes and how I need to review review, uh, review myself, and I do it. I'm glad to do it. Uh, it's, I I gain a lot by doing that work. But also, when we talk about spirituality, we need to review ourselves and be very careful about what we believe 
in how we do things and how we relate to our egos and to, to other people and what we give to other people because everybody deserves dignity, care, and compassion. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. The CIIS Public Programs team includes Kyle DeMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Jason MacArthur, and Patty Fort. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs.